Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. I have one of the most enthusiastic conversations of my entire life with Mario the Maker Magician. We talk about his internet show that puts kids in the spotlight, combining tech with magic and getting kids into STEM. Nick Lacapo joins me to talk about the Mark James live act that some people are saying might be the lecture of the year. But before all that, Mark Calabrese joins me for an extended segment that we call the Top 5 Under 5. Mark Calabrese, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Let me hear your top five tricks in under five minutes. Well, um, it, it was a tough. It was kind of tough to come, come up with this uh, this list just because uh, you know as a as a full time worker, I really don't pay, buy you know in air quotes tricks. You yeah. know, I kind of use you know like you know I do a lot of sleight of hand and mm-hmm. I get a lot, a lot of things from books and and you know DVDs and stuff yeah. like that and downloads and. And then I kind of incorporate those ideas and try to make them my own. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things out there that I that I you know that I will that are always in my bag. Well, that's fair. Let's go with uh, let's go with your top five, uh, but in like no particular order, just for fun okay. though. Let's start out with number five. Okay. Um, so I would say uh, loops. You know, oh, uh, yeah. loops are definitely an integral uh, thing that I have in my in my in my arsenal. Or you know, I either have some in my wallet if I'm hanging out and or I have it in my bag I definitely have it in my bag if I'm going to be doing you know corporate events and private super, events and whatnot super useful utility device that Absolutely. I mean it, you can do almost anything with that's a solid a solid pick I understand why it's number why it's in there and uh, why you're spitting it out there let's go with number four number four I probably I think also when it comes to like you know, I do a lot of card magic and um, you know uh, I'm usually working with a, a, a stacked deck but it's not always just stacked. It's also marked. And just mm-hmm. because there's a lot of amazing things you can do with a marked deck, especially, you know, if, if you don't just use it in the, you know, the way that most magicians do it, which is kind of like one layered and one dimensional. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things you can do with this, with a marked deck. And um, I, I try to, uh, you know, with the exception of, of uh, uh, the, you know, just the reason of it being expensive, mm-hmm. I try to have almost every deck that I use be marked in some way, shape or form. Um, not as much as a crutch, but just it's it's just a ne- next level thing you can do because if the deck gets shuffled, you can still do some really cool stuff with it. I, you know, and even then, like the cost of mark decks is coming down. Like it wasn't. Even, it's not even just the Penguin Mark deck that's so affordable these days. There's so many other decks yeah. of cards that are marked. Oh, uh, that are really really affordable. That I. Yeah, I'm always surprised when a Mark deck doesn't show up in this list because it's just there's so much things you can do with them. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a thing that I mean, once again, uh, a lot of magicians love the idea of, of borrowing a deck and, mm-hmm. and reg- being a regular deck, which is of course a, a great thing because mm-hmm. there's a lot of great things you can do with a deck of cards that's just in full view, you know, or that or that you, you know you're at your friend's house mm-hmm. and you, they pull out their deck of cards out of their mom's. Uh, you know, drawer, kitchen drawer, and oh, show me something, and you can do that, you know. But if you have your own deck of cards, I don't understand why you shouldn't, you know, kind of, you know, amp it up a little bit and have have this at your disposal. Absolutely. Let's move on to number three. Um, number three, I know it's, I know it. I mean, it's mine, but I, I gotta say it because it's, uh, you know, it is it's something I'm very proud of. Is uh, is something called Super Shuffle. Oh, I love Super um, Shuffle. Thank you. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a technique as well as a, as a gimmick. That allows me to uh, uh, seemingly shuffle up a deck of cards, or have a spectator shuffle a deck of cards, but then be able to, um, uh, you know, control a stack of playing cards that can either be a prediction or some kind of, you know, divination of like a serial number yeah. or whatever I want. I usually do it with a phone number. Um, you know, for the longest time, I, that's how, it was a way that that was an easy way to kind of get people to 
you know, kind of break that barrier of it just being a card trick. Now I'm getting someone's phone number mm-hmm. and I'm doing some other really cool things with it. But that's my one of my favorite things because I, I, it's in every deck I carry. I, I don't even always use it, but if I do want to do something that's like a little more like more involved and stuff, and having the spectator get really involved. It's definitely something yeah. that uh, uh, that I love to do. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Super Shuffle, it's a really great way to hide and protect a packet inside of a deck that the audience can shuffle. And I, I've used it ever since Lacapo hipped me to it. I've used it to uh, to kick up a couple of my own sort of smaller tricks, uh, just because it makes it that much more powerful. And I'm I'm so glad Super Shuffle's on this list. Hit me with number two. Number two. Um, number two is uh, uh, another deck of cards. It's another gaming deck of cards uh, by John Kennedy called the Mind Power Deck. Oh, love a Mind Power Deck. Yeah, uh, I almost didn't want to put it on the list because I don't like people knowing about stuff that I do. But <laughs> um, the Mind Power Deck is just such a strong thing. When I first saw the Mind Power Deck be being used, um, it, was actually, it was actually a demo of John Kennedy doing it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't know how he's doing it. Maybe he's using like some kind of like visual sight thing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I once I discovered the, the method, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then I saw some other really talented magicians uh, come up with really interesting ways to 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 get more direct hits. Like Darren Brown has an incredible thing, and uh, I believe in a few of his uh, yeah, a little he, bit of his work. In, uh, Pure Effect is one is the it was my first introduction to the Mind Power deck in yes. Darren Brown's using it in his effect Smoke. Yeah, it's super it, yeah, super it's, good. I mean, it's killer, and the way he presents it, it, it's, it literally feels like how how you would do actual mind reading yeah. of a think of a card. Um, and then I believe also uh, uh, there's a few other guys from England. Michael Murray has mm-hmm. a, a good idea with it too. But basically, uh, that's one of the things that that like if I had if I had if I had to carry two to three decks of cards, uh, uh, sometimes I've even done it where I carry a March stack deck, and I don't let's say I don't intend on doing any like signed card things or anything where the cards get destroyed. I'm literally just having one you know in one pocket I have a st- stacked Mark deck, and in the other pocket the Mind Power deck because. I mean, it's, it's as simple as having a person look at a card and it, and reading their mind is really, really, really strong. Uh, absolutely. It, it, it belongs in any worker's repertoire. But let's move on to number one. Mark Calabrese, where it's, what's at number one? Um, well, so like I said, this is, once again, it's not really in any particular order, but, uh, you know, I'm just decided to say this last or as mm-hmm. number one is, uh, is a card in Sharpie. is something I put out uh, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's just something that... It, I whenever I I see certain performers perform, they always have a specific style and kind of presentation when they do magic. And I've always loved the idea of doing like surreal kind of weird tricks, you know. And and a lot of the stuff that I do uh, is isn't really like that. It's kind of like I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do and then I do it, and that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Or I'm doing some tricks and then you know there's a surprise at the end. Um, I think that what I like a lot is is the concept of with this is that they're doing they're using the marker. That later on could, they could not have used, which is a weird kind of like a, you know screwing with their mind a little bit because the card that they signed is inside of the marker that they used to sign the card with. Like it's just yeah. it's like a really weird meta kind of feeling, uh, you know. And um, I, I based it off of a, a, a trick that I used to do in the past, but I wanted to kind of make it a little more organic. Uh, some, I didn't have to want to carry other things on me, and just it was just a you know a deck of cards and a marker, which is pretty fair to have as a as a you know working magician. All you need is a is a is a marker deck of cards which you already have on you and then you know once you know how it's done it's it's super strong so it's a it's a thing that i when i first tried it i thought oh maybe this will get an interesting reaction but it got a really super strong reaction and that's what a, a, you know kind of made me pursue it further yeah it's it's a really strong trick and anyone listening to this should definitely check it out well mark calabrese thanks so much for joining us for the top 505 look forward to having you back soon 
Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks to Mark for joining me on the Top 5 Under 5. If you're a Penguin Live subscriber, you are in for a treat. This past week, we had Mark Calabrese in to film a live lecture, and he shared some crazy good card secrets. I'm talking about card magic that is going to blow your socks off. It's well worth the watch. Now, on to the main event. My guest this week is the host of The Mario Show that airs every Friday on the Make Magazine Facebook page, where he performs magic, comedy, and music, all while interviewing children and teaching them about science and making things. Before the pandemic, he was one of the hardest-working family entertainers in the world, touring the country with his wildly popular theater show that entertained as well as educated. I grabbed a few minutes of his time via Skype to talk to him about how he blends teaching STEM to kids while still mystifying them with his magic, and now you get to join our conversation. Mario the Maker Magician, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I have heard your name so often, and I was so upset that I haven't been able to see you live until the world fell apart. But I I am so excited because you are producing some of the best content for magic online right now. Thank you so much, Eric. That means a lot. Yeah, it's it's a crazy pandemic. It means the world um, that I'm on the show. I'm a huge fan of yours. Well, let's thank you very much. I, that means a lot to me. And uh, but I wanted to talk about you do something that I I I think is really important for kids magicians, and it's so evident in your show. And actually, can you first tell our listeners like where they can see your online show because this is it's really important that people see this. Oh yeah, so I, I'm very fortunate during this pandemic. Make Magazine um, hired me for for the summer and the spring, and uh, so every Friday night at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We go live on the Make Magazine Facebook page. We have a special guest. Sometimes it's like a celebrity actor. Sometimes it's a magician. The difference in my show is that we have kids ask the questions to our adult guests. So they come up with the questions. They, they, get, they get thrown off. you know. And then uh, part of the show is I have a segment called What If Kids Ruled the World? And in that yeah. segment... We ask deep questions to kids, like, "What's the meaning of life?" You know, like, <laughs> like stuff like that. And uh, and I do that for a reason because yeah. I I really believe in my heart of hearts that there is something sacred from a certain age range of life. You know, and in that mm-hmm. elementary age that shapes our whole adult life, there's some uh, core principles of truth. You know, within those age ranges that we lose as adults. You know, and part of that silly segment is actually trying to like trying to like sway the the focus so that we can get some of those truths out it's it's really interesting because you uh i think you share something with some of the other very very successful uh kids performers uh but i think you do this even to a higher degree because of the robots and the maker culture that you're putting in is you're you're talking to kids on their level but you're still talking to them like adults like you're giving them way more credit than anyone else gives them which is an interesting approach yeah it's a it's it's something that I believe in more than magic, more than anything in this world. You know, it's sometimes like you spend 15 years of your life doing something to make your definition of what your story is into a sentence, you know, and mm-hmm. my sentence is my purpose is to make kids laugh. Like that's my one mm-hmm. talent in the world, you know, and from that laughter comes, you know, a, an opportunity to like showcase the things that I love, like creativity, like making stuff out of cardboard and 3D printing mm-hmm. and programming, and then showing these things in an entertaining way so that kids get excited about science, get excited about making. You know, one of my greatest compliments that I got from our last tour was a kid in Chicago that said to his mom, Mom, I, I went through the garbage because I'm trying to build a magic show like Mario. <laughs> Accessibility, accessibility. So it's funny, but it's actually in a powerful tool. Accessibility. When the kids see what I'm holding in my hands, there's an mm-hmm. accessibility. They can go home and say, I can do it too. And that's a very 
important part of my show. How do you keep the how do you prevent from blurring the lines for kids with the science and technology aspect and the magic? You know, because you're you're dealing with an age range where they could very easily go, well, clearly computers work by magic, clearly robots work by magic, but you you still are able to keep those separate so they get the science aspect and the magic aspect are two different things. Like, yeah, that's I, I don't know. I, maybe I just asked you like a way too complex no, question. No, no, not at all. That's a great question. And you tapped into something that's really important, you know. Um, uh, you know, being open source is so vital in my life in the sense that all the things that I learned in robotics was because of the open source community, you know, all the mm-hmm. forums, all the blogs, all the people sharing information to elevate each other, not for the sake of making money, but for the sake of education, you know. And so, mm-hmm. like, in my show, I produce a robot rabbit out of my hat. So it's classic of magic. Here's this robot rabbit. And then the, <laughs> it's bigger than the hat, you know. So, yeah. so at the end of the show, when I have this rabbit... I don't care. Like I turn it off, I turn it around, and I show it's a completely 3D printed collapsible robot that's held by magnets that makes it fit in the, ma- in the hat that creates the illusion that mm-hmm. it's bigger. Why do I do that? Because I want to give that double definition, the reward mm-hmm. of having that magic moment that kids can create and also the reward of how things work because that's how I am. You know, I spent five months yeah. learning how to sew my own jeans, you know, because I just <laughs> I bug out about things I don't understand, <laughs> you know? So... <laughs> For our listeners right now uh, who, who can't see any video that, that Mario and I are sharing, he's got a, a this insane gray <laughs> LED-eyed rabbit that just, it's like arms are moving and he's also wearing jeans that he sewed himself. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry, I'm getting off subject, Eric. Just... No, no, no. Uh, that's interesting. You're not afraid to give away the secret because it is it because you've done so much other magic in the show yes, that is yes. still magic? Yes. So it's okay to give away some secrets. And you brought up a great point. Like I don't just give away everything. It's like mm-hmm. it's like certain pockets that I feel uh, I I feel like it's important to give away. You know, and mm-hmm. showing the inner workings of one of the mechanical props just gives that little spark. You know, like mm-hmm. when I first got into magic. You know, like seeing that flash of that mirror cabinet. You know, like yeah. oh, there's a mirror there. You know that if I didn't have that moment. Maybe I wouldn't have been a magician, you know, like, so it's my way of like, if I, if kids don't get that moment, maybe I'll just force it in a little, and it's just a small thing. It's nothing big, but, but making is very important to me, Eric. Like even the coins mm-hmm. I use in my show, these are 3d printed molds that I melted pewter that wow. say Mario the magician on it, you know? And, and so like, I want everything that I hold be something that I made, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because I believe when you make something, you understand something. And like I say to my audience, when you understand something, it gives you freedom, you know, and and that's so important to me. It's uh, it's interesting. Your your act sort of reminds me of like the toaster project if it was <laughs> created by a psychopath. <laughs> oh man, I don't know anything of what you said, but like I hope it's a compliment. Oh, it is. It it, it okay. absolutely is. It's uh, so h- how are you finding? Because your your stage show, I've I've seen a little bits and pieces yeah. of video of it. Your stage show is very interactive with the kids. Right. It's sort of, yep. I mean, you have kids like on their feet, like screaming. How are you finding translating your act online? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by the Mark James Live Act. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studios to talk to me about this jam-packed lecture. Nick, I want to talk to you about uh, actually an interview that was just released on the Penguin Magic podcast, but uh, we should get in depth on his act, the Mark James Live Act. How, yeah, I want to talk to you about Mark James. How good was that? <laughs> 
I, I, I hate Mark James. <laughs> I we, love, yeah. love Mark James, yeah. man. I, I've, I've always been sad because Mark James has been here twice now. Mm -hmm. This is why, this is why I hate Mark James. Yeah. <laughs> He's been here twice now and I've not been here for both times. Oh. He's been here. So I've never even met the guy. Uh, but I've had, you know, I've, it's funny. You feel like, you know, these people cause you have to like edit the videos yeah. and all those things after way. He, uh, what do you, what can you say about Mark James and why you should get his act? This act is like full of like real classic stuff that and like so good. sideshow stuff and juggling stuff. I mean, it's like it's yeah. What didn't he do in this I think show? The only thing he didn't do was ventriloquism, and <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that that it was wasn't a method. It was, that, probably, yeah. it was probably in there somewhere. It's like yeah. a really great example of how you can become a well-rounded performer with like everything because it's the music, it's the lights, right. it's the props, it's the staging, it's and the tricks, it's the script. This is what Penguin acts is all about, right? Yeah. That was Mark James' Penguin Live Act, available now at penguinmagic.com. Now, back to my conversation with Mario the Maker Magician. Your stage show is very interactive with the kids. Right. It's sort of, yep. I mean, you have kids like on their feet, like screaming. How are you finding translating your act online? Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. I'm not gonna lie, the first two weeks we were home was probably one of the hardest weeks, you know, for me in a long time, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Cause my show is based on me sitting on people's laps you know, in a mm -hmm. theater, like, you know, uh, spray bottles, water fights, like, you know, like mm -hmm. I just, everything that like you're not supposed to do now because of the pandemic. Um, but I, I was really lucky. Uh, Make Magazine hired me the first week and Camp, they are an amazing adventure store in Midtown Manhattan. They, mm -hmm. um, they have a wonderful setup there and they picked me up and I do virtual shows like three, four times a week. And mm -hmm. it forced me in my attic, like this yeah. little square, you know, this little square. I. You know, so I've learned how to create a 15 minute set. And mm -hmm. in that 15 minutes, it's not even all magic because of that connection missing. You know what I do now, Eric? Yeah. Is the last five minutes of my 10, I pick up my acoustic guitar, the kids mm -hmm. comment silly words and, and things that they love. And I sing improv, punk rock, pop punk music <laughs> to them. So it's like a dance party where it's freeze dance. And I, I haven't picked up my guitar in 10 years, but that works. It works. It's like as if That's, you're on stage with me, you know? Yeah, it's that really, I mean, even that concept of like doing a improvised pop punk song <laughs> continues to speak to this idea that you're like, you're bringing the kids up to your level. Mm -hmm. Because like, I wouldn't think to share pop punk with my nieces. <laughs> Well, that's why I have a bloody eyeball in my backdrop, you know, in homage to Ed Roth and Rat Fink and the hot rod culture from the 50s. Like everything that I love is, is, is part of me so much. And it's part of my childhood because I had a really funky childhood where like, you know, I left, mm -hmm. I hitchhiked cross country. I, you know, like that kind of stuff stuck with me, packing everything in a backpack, you know. You hitchhiked across country when you were a kid? I'm an old man, Eric. I'm an old man, but yeah, I hitchhiked for a year and a half. I herded sheep in Arizona for a month. You know, I tried to find myself, and and I didn't. I, and the way I found magic was at a magic shop in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's where my travels ended up. And mm -hmm. Hippity Hop Magic Shop, Jim and Michelle Parks, uh, they changed my life. They they taught me Hippity Hop rabbits and stratosphere, and I met Gene Anderson. He taught me. Gene Anderson taught me Whit Hayden's four ring routine. He taught wow. me that. When I first got into magic, wow. I didn't know who he was. He was friends 
He was best friends with the grandpa of the girl I was dating in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Like, I didn't know that he was an absolute legend, you know? But these things I don't take lightly. It's a sacred memory yeah. for me, you know? And I, I thanked him at Magi Fest two years ago because I did the mm -hmm. kid spot there. And I stood up and yeah. I held my rings up and I... I said, thank you. You know, like he sold them to me for like $60. You know, I know they were like $600 rings, you know, I mean. So where does the make, where did the maker element come in? Because it sounds like you were doing magic before the maker or were you doing some of the maker stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't the community that we, that we've sort of developed as makers. Yeah, now. that's a great question. I, in 2005, I picked up my first make magazine and actually that mm -hmm. year was the first year make magazine became national and on the cover was a cigar box guitar and I built that guitar and inside there mm -hmm. was a little blue credit card size microcontroller called the Arduino and that changed my life, you know? Mm -hmm. I always had it separate. I was creating abstract art machines and I was doing my kids show with classic Stratosphere Hippity Art Rabbits working for yeah. Philip and Henry doing birthday parties, you know? Um, uh, but what happened was, I say this all the time, was a criticism I got from a family at a school show I did. They said, yeah. is that Mario? That's what we pay tickets for, you know, and it crushed mm -hmm. me. And I, I, I made a turn and my wife was like, you need to take every talent you've had over the past mm -hmm. 10 years and stick it in your show. You want to stand out like that's what mm -hmm. it, you know, and that's what that's what it took. And I started adding robotics to my suitcase where banners fall and things shoot out. And and then it was just it just took off where then I stopped wearing the traditional suit. You know, I had my yeah. up jeans. I had my punk rock shirt and. I felt free when I got on stage, you know? It took a long time to like find who I am, what my story is, you know? Cause you wanna play it safe so that you feel accepted, you know? But you gotta make a mm -hmm. turn at some point where like you gotta share who you really are, you know? You're like stepping away from the structural conception of magic and more into like dealing with it as an art. Yes. And, and still, but it doesn't seem like you're struggling with making that art commercial. Um, yeah, like, you mean like a mainstream thing? Yeah, like that. We, yeah, exactly. We've been really I mean, lucky, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, we we had a three-month tour this winter. That is the longest tour I've ever booked in my life. I do magic mm -hmm. full-time, you know. I've done birthday parties for 12 years. The idea of doing theaters and, and being able to pay our rent, I mean, our mortgage, and, and still and still travel, you know. So, so it was a very powerful thing for me uh, to do that. I even bought an Airstream, you know. Like, I bought a camper coming home. <laughs> I drove to Sonoma, California from New York, you know, in an oh. Airstream doing theaters, you know, and coming home and then the pandemic hit. And yeah. but, but what I've learned, Eric, is like it's it's just it's about letting go. You know, it's just you got to yeah. constantly let, let go in life. And uh, so I've been letting go, creating virtual work, putting my heart into it and uh, and hoping that it shapes up for the fall. Do you um, and I, I want to ask this question specifically because you are so uh, sort of uh, technologically astute and you're combining it into your show. And this is a little bit different than the question that I asked you about, like sharing the science with the kids. Y you're mixing a lot of technology with magic. Oh. And I guess, um, how do you approach that and, and using technology in your magic uh, where, where you're making people still believe that it's a magical effect, even though more often, more often than not, people are more willing to say, oh, well, he's just got a device or something like that. How are you, how are you walking that line? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was very lucky, you know, a couple of years ago, I got to do some consulting for like really giants in the field of magic. And I got to sit at tables with people that were way smarter than me. And it, it got mm -hmm. me really thinking 
And some of those people helped me with my show. Like you, you're a children's performer and it's awesome. You're a family entertainer, but you need to take that technology where you hit them hard with something, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I changed the ending of my show and it was really awesome. I had a custom 3D printed piece of magic that is personal to one person in the show that, wow. uh, that and it was so hard to do. And it was so <laughs> stressful every show. But like the reward was so great because then I'm doing this magic, I'm being silly, the kids are laughing, and then I'm ending on this big strong mystery where the adults are going home shaking their heads too, you know? And I'm learning how important that is in a show. Mm-hmm. You really have to hit every angle, you know? Like that's why it's you know, for me it's like as trying to do it in multiple directions, doing stuff with robots, doing stuff with rope, doing stuff with coins, you know, like changing it up. Mm -hmm. These transitions are so key. And you know that, Eric, you know, Mm -hmm. personally in your own life with your performances, you know? Well, we're we're about out of time, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. Uh, If if our listeners wanted to find out more about joining the maker community and making stuff and crafting things for their show, obviously Make Magazine is an excellent resource, but where else would you suggest that people go to learn more about becoming a maker themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, If if you have a pen and paper, adafruit.com, A-D-A fruit. Dot com. They have a blog that they update every day with, you know, highlighting makers. Sparkfun.com is a fantastic DIY electronics company out of Colorado. Um, uh, actually, uh, speaking of which, I work with one of the head engineers. We came out with a product together um, uh, that we sold out right now, but it's an electronic snake in a can uh, kit where you can program <laughs> a robot that says sounds, yes and no sounds. And then you can program when you want the snake to pop out. It's a whole magic kit for kids with programming. And uh, so that'll be That's on my amazing. website, MarioTheMagician.com. You can see it there when we get back in stock with those. Well, Mario the Maker Magician, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. And everyone, please tune in to his show. It is so good and so wonderful, even if you're not a kid. Like there's <laughs> so many wonderful things about the show that everyone should see. Thank you so much, Eric. I had so much fun. It means a lot that you reached out. Thanks for letting me be part of this. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Mario the Maker Magician for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. I have to say, Mario is one of the most infectiously enthusiastic people I've ever met. The conversation with him was a blast. We were actually video chatting from our respective streaming studios, and his set is crazy. You need to go to the Make Magazine Facebook page and watch this show. I know the show is designed for families, but really, there is something for everyone. I'm an enthusiastic viewer of it, and I recommend you become one too. He has on all kinds of amazing guests like Xavier Spade and Justin Woolman, and is really so amazing with the kids he has on the show. Next week, I'm airing the youngest creator that Penguin Magic has ever had through our studios. She recently appeared on Penn & Teller Try This at Home 2, and now I'm airing the interview that we conducted right after we finished filming one of her facts. Next week, I'm talking to Amanda Nebo. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on whatever social media platform you're getting your fake news from. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on the show, the best thing to do is to travel back in time and hand yourself a notebook full of exactly what happens so that when I'm inevitably fighting the weeping angels trying to get my TARDIS back, so I'll have a playbook so that I can set up the series of events that you experience so that I can then save the day in one of the scariest episodes of Doctor Who that I've ever seen. But if wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff isn't your thing, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eritate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice. Practice, wear a mask. Practice, wear a mask.